With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, uh, I guess, I guess, like, Syracuse back in the top 25 for the first time in 17 years week is probably the, the theme, if I had to guess. We're ranked. This is we great. We are ranked in both polls, in both, both of the old classic polls. Obviously, the college football playoff poll comes out tomorrow night. Um, and I think that's what they use for like having Graphics your name and, ranked yeah. in the broadcast. So we actually do want to kind of crack that one, even if we don't actually have like legitimate playoff hopes. But um, either way, like pretty crazy that this is where we are. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want to throw like water on this or anything, but you know, we, we are benefited from the fact the ACC is like entertainingly down this year. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like you can see a lot of the a lot of what's come together for Syracuse, especially on offense, that's allowed for this to happen this year. The fact that we could easily be 7-1 and one or even 8-0 uh, is not lost on me. Uh, nonetheless, really happy at 6-2, and two, really happy that we're ranked, really happy that we're going to a bowl. And, and I think, you know, hopefully this gets Orange fans, you know, as, as excited as they should be. And, and not to, I don't want to say anything else about uh, attendance other than Hope everybody's there on uh, not this coming Saturday, but the Friday night after uh, when we have a short week uh, to go up against a very bad Louisville team. Yeah, um, I, I, I really hope that, A, we beat Wake Forest this weekend, which is a very manageable uh, expectation, I think. Wake's not bad, but uh, and it's on the road where we've had like very mixed results. But I don't want to be a one-and-done ranked team uh i'd like to stick around for a bit and also <laughs> doing so i think would really help uh move forward in terms of like what that friday night game in Louisville will look like in terms of uh, fans in the stands so um it'd be nice to, to pack that thing and get like 45 46 thousand people there because this team i think deserves that yeah they deserve it and i mean this is the last time you're going to see you know guys like eric dungy jamal custis a bunch of others like at home there's no reason why you know, SU fans shouldn't show up. I'm, I'm sure they'll find reasons, but <laughs> you, 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 you can't pick apples at night. You can't rake leaves at night. There are you can. It's just a weird choice. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. Uh, I, I see. So yeah, I, I would very much hope that that SU fans show up for this one, even if you haven't shown up all year. Uh, now is a good time to start get on the bandwagon. Say you were there the whole time when we get to when we go to a bowl game. That's probably the pinstripe bowl. In any case, yes, I, I think we'll talk Wake Forest a little bit in the second half. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting game. Um, I'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, the run game is uh, is a little terrifying on their end, and their defense is just as porous as ours. So I think, if anything, uh, the, the only certainty is that bet the over and that it'll probably look something like, at least in terms of total points, last year's uh, shootout at the Dome. Yeah, I think that's a fair expectation. I don't think Matt Colburn is going to run for 250 yards against us. Um, luckily, we didn't pull his scholarship offer like two days before signing day, so 
I, I think he, he probably got that out of his system. Um, but overall, like, Wade's offense is, is interesting. It's been uh, a bit up and down, but they can score points uh, as they showed last week. But they also lost to Florida State by multiple touchdowns and uh, got crushed, crushed by Clemson. So, like, in terms of, obviously, I preach against this every week, but in terms of, like, shared opponents, we, we handled both uh, much better than they did. So if that does mean anything, which is always up in the air, you know, it definitely leans Syracuse. Um, also, like, I think we opened as, what, like a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite on the road, which seems about right. Um, we opened at six-and-a-half initially, and then it drifted down to four. All right, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I'm still I'm still a little nervous, as I, I do think – uh, there's a possibility of this being like a letdown spot for us being on the road. Uh, it's a nooner, right? It's a it is as 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 anyone would expect with Syracuse and Wake Forest. It's a nooner on your local uh, Raycom station. Nice, uh, yeah. So we'll see. I, I hope I hope the uh, I hope this everything of the last couple of days doesn't kind of lead into uh, a flat week from our team. But you know, we'll find out. Uh, I think uh, if anyone can avoid that, it's probably Dino Babers. Clearly, he has kind of the the juice in terms of uh, getting these guys motivated. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but I, I would like to stay in the top 25 for more than a week. So let's make that happen. Yeah. And honestly, if we knock on wood, if we can win the next two, um, we have a chance to stay in the top 25 for the rest of the season, depending on, you know, if you can keep it close against Notre Dame and then beat Boston College potentially. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if Notre Dame isn't like a complete, like, I mean, even if it is like it, we're so far into the year where. Um, week-to-week stuff matters a little bit less. Obviously, the, the polls are very reactionary just because they're done by humans. But I think uh, if we, even if we, we lost, you know, a, a, by a decent amount of Notre Dame, who obviously the polls really like, but we finished 9-3, and three, I would find, find it very hard to, to imagine that we would we would fall out of the polls unless, like, a bowl game went really poorly or something. Yeah, I had to agree there. Um, but not to get ahead of ourselves, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what happened this past week first. That first quarter was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect that for every quarter this year, but if we want to do anything resembling it, um, at least once a game, that'd be that'd be awesome because twenty-four to seven advantage, throwing the ball all over the yard, Dungey looking like he regained whatever arm strength and accuracy that he had lost for much of the last month uh, was great. And you know, as we discussed kind of last week and, and, and many weeks, like when you're facing a team like NC State or a lot of others who don't necessarily play at our pace. Um, having them playing from behind and becoming a one-dimensional offense is, is a great way for Syracuse to get a win. Yeah, obviously it was. We were aided by the fact that Ricky Person was out and uh, Reggie Gillespie. I think actually like left the game for a bit and he wasn't super effective. They only ran for 2.3 yards per carry as a team, um, so we were able to make them one-dimensional. Though that one dimension was quite good. Uh, Ryan Finley had an awesome game. Um, After the poor start too, he was abs- he, absolutely on a tear. Just played pitch and catch for like the last three quarters of this game. Yeah, it, didn't, it doesn't hurt that Kelvin Harmon just literally made every play you could possibly imagine. It was like, I, I, one of the better performances we've probably ever seen from an opposing receiver at the Dome, honestly, and it gets overshadowed by uh, a 10-point loss uh, for them, which I'm okay with. I, I, I saw some people raising the comparison to, uh, apparently, obviously I was too young to remember it, but the Tory Holt game uh, for NC State against us, I think one of the first times we played them. Um, Tory Holt, like, apparently just did things that, you know, would lead you to think that Torrey Holt might be a good NFL receiver down the road <laughs> against us. Uh, so, you know, shout out to uh, Kelvin Harmon, who will go on to be a borderline Hall of Famer for the Los Angeles Rams. But, you know, we had our own, I mean, we, we were, as, as we've seen through these last couple of weeks, we were really well-rounded on offense. We 
um, in terms of uh, the receiving game, at least. They, they did a, a good job of shutting down our running game, but we had four dives over 80 yards, uh, three top touchdowns, and it was the four that we, we talk about every week, Custis, Harris, Johnson, and Riley, especially Riley this week, who, after a kind of an up-and-down start in the first half with the, the penalty on the punt and everything else, um, just had an unbelievable game catching the ball. Uh, hit, I would say pretty safely, but his best game uh, offensively of his career um, just was, was open. He got himself open like every time we needed him to and made some – the snag on the uh, – I think it was a second and long where he high-pointed the ball and – and, and got a huge first down, just like always found himself available and just made every play you could ask for on offense and really impressive from him. Yeah, I mean, you and I talked about this early in the season, like he was, his emergence, and it didn't have to be to this extent even, but his emergence was really going to be key to this offense because he filled in that Eric Phillips role that, that, you know, Phillips played so well in the last couple seasons. Like Riley has actually kind of evolved the role a bit as Nikeem Johnson's become you know, kind of this really great hybrid deep threat slash screen guy, uh, similar to really the way I think they use Ishmael in the second half last year. Uh, Riley has become this guy who's just exploiting teams and, you know, up the seam. He's finding space behind the line. Like, he's not, you know, being like your typical screener, like a 5'7 guy would normally be, but his speed is impossible to guard one-on-one. The announcers were talking about it the entire game. And yeah, he, he did what he needed to do. I mean, it's not even as if that 164 yards was just based on that 48-yard uh, bomb that he caught from uh, Dante Strickland, which a, a great play in and of itself. But like Riley in general just always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. He only had one drop. Obviously, that uh, would end up not being as critical penalty um, on the, uh, the roughing the punter play was not good. Um, I'm not really sure why we brought the house on that one anyway, but in any case, like more than redeemed himself on the offensive end. Um, and, and even if Riley can do like half of that per game, give me five catches and 80 yards. Like, I think that's still, I think that's still a really big presence for Syracuse and something that's going to be worth watching the rest of the season. I know, uh, I'm pretty sure our own Brandon Ross is going to be talking to Riley this week at practice. So hopefully we have some more kind of from him, especially on, uh, on how the season's gone so far and how it's going to go the rest of it. Yeah, and, and just this whole receiving core has become so well-rounded. I don't know how you effectively cover us. Um, it it forces, especially, and, and also considering our rushing game, you know, we're averaging four and a half yards a carry. That's very solid, especially coming from where we were. Uh, and we have four really legit rushing threats. So um, this offense has just become so difficult to guard because you have to put someone who can match up somewhat physically with Custis, and that's obviously a challenge for most teams to begin with. But then Riley, Johnson, and Harris are all such different players and all do different things so well, but all are playing at such a high level right now. Um, you have to commit a lot of... Uh, you either, you're either get, putting yourself in a mismatch by covering one of them with a linebacker. I think Riley uh, found himself a linebacker coverage a couple times, which is just impossible for the other team. Um, and most safeties aren't guarding these guys effectively. And then if that's the case and you're spreading things out for... Uh, Neil Strickland, who's had a, a quietly, I think, a really nice year, um, doing like both. I mean, his rushing numbers are, are on an average because we're, you know, changing things up so much. But on an average basis, are the best of his career. And then Dungey, obviously, if you spread everyone out and you give Dungey a running lane, he's going to gain 20 yards. So it's we've just become a very, very, very well-rounded, pretty impossible to guard team. I feel like, and that's that's a good place to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you're starting to see. Something resembling maybe a little bit of what we thought was going to happen, but like 
I think Strickland Strickland did seem to take over as like the the back in this one. I feel like you know the, the announcers alluded to this too. I think Moniel did start off in the doghouse a little bit because of the late fumble last week. Um, even though Syracuse did pull off the win, uh, Neil only had five carries for 17 yards in this one, but did have one catch for 11 yards. I feel like he'll work his way out of whatever funk he was in. Um, I do like either him or Strickland being used in the passing game. Both of them had a uh, reception in this one, but uh, Neil had the longer one. He was one for 11, while Strickland was one for minus three. But again, Strickland also had a 48-yard completion downfield. That was really nice, and I'm glad that, you know, all all the different iterations we've had of that, you know, wide receiver pass, I feel like Strickland as the the guy throwing the football is always going to be the best option Um, just because I feel like, you know, I know Butler had some time at quarterback too in high school, but since Butler's been used less and less and Strickland's on the field a lot, I feel like with Strickland, it's not the dead giveaway. Um, and it was nice to see, you know, something like that work. I think in general, this, uh, this play calling, the second quarter was a little weird. Um, but other than that, this play calling was great. It was wide open. It was aggressive. I feel like the play calling, you know, late in the fourth, I know I was tweeting about it saying like, you know, this defense can't really stop anybody. So like, you're kind of just going to have to keep running your offense, albeit at a slightly slower pace. And credit to Syracuse. Like, they had that really bad holding call that uh, that wasn't even necessary. I think I forgot who uh, was the culprit there. But Dungey had that big first down, and then it was called back. And then they had to give the ball back to NC State, which set up the interception from Andrew uh, Armstrong later. But, like, SU stayed aggressive. They, they ran right at NC State. They threw the ball a ton. Dungey, I felt like had one of his smarter running games um, in general. I feel like he, he didn't try to do too much. He had some, you know, big pickups, a couple big first downs. And, like, for me, like, that's really what Dungy should probably try to limit himself to. He had that one big hit probably um, toward the sideline that I didn't love. But in general, I, I think he, I'd say this is one of his top five games um, at SU for sure, um, just because of how smart he was with, with the football and also how smart he was just as a passer. You know, 27 to 38, and there were a couple drops in there. And he he delivered some really nice deep balls, probably better throws down the field than we've seen from him in at least a year, if not, like, two. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of going through his game log now. I, I think you could make the argument that this was, um, in considering the, the context of the game, I think it, it could go down as his best game at SU so far. Um, he's obviously had plenty of really nice ones, but considering what was on the line and also, like, what he was... Um, I, I struggle to call it adversity, uh, but like there was a very legitimate question as to whether he was going to lose his job. I mean, we talked about it last week when he looked a little shaky in the second quarter. Dino put put Devito in, like, yeah, like immediately, was, and that was through the plan. Like we we're going to ride the hot hand and find who's going to win us a game. And I think Stephen Bailey had a really nice piece on this yesterday. Dino, for you know, I, I think we we are we're very on board with Dino. We both want to see him here for the long term. I think. Every game, there's like a spot of like weird play calling that we get confused about pretty much. Um, I know it definitely happened in the second quarter in this game, but he has handled this quarterback. I wouldn't even call it controversy, but he's handled this quarterback situation so with a such a, such a deft touch. And he, we don't, we don't win the game if not for how Dino's handled the quarterbacks in completely different ways in two straight weeks. Um, and that's just very impressive because you run with, with a quarterback change, you run the risk of. Uh, alienating, obviously, huge players in your team. You you run the risk of, of, you know, players disagreeing with your decisions. And, you know, even if they don't say it, like, you can kind of demoralize a team if you don't do the right thing, um, even if they're not going to, like, rebel against you or anything. 
but it does have an impact, and he's handled it with basically, I mean, he made the right perfect call two weeks in a row, and there were very different calls um, by trusting Dungey to, to get you know back on track uh, at halftime of this game and also um, by making the poll last week. So uh, really huge by him, and, and Dungey obviously responded, and, and I think we probably should have known that Dungey would respond at least somewhat like this because he's he's just been a warrior his whole career so it would have been weird for him to go out the way that some people thought he might be yeah i mean hopefully he can stay healthy for these last four games and then get to a bowl game because honestly like other people said this on twitter too like there's very few players in the country that that deserve to start a ball game and have that opportunity than dungy uh no matter where that game is i think he, he's been such a gamer such a warrior for us and like you know you and i talked about last week in in I'm not going to say that he proved us wrong. He didn't, I don't think he proved people wrong. I think what he did was, he and he said it himself, like he got a little too comfortable and he, he took it as an opportunity. And like, and this is where he, you know, he, he put his leadership kind of, um, you know, first and foremost is that he took it as an opportunity to re, to kind of refocus himself and, and take a different approach to the game and really like, really prepare. And I feel like you, you saw it immediately in this one, how well prepared he was how his throws were crisp, how a lot of those issues that we had not, I don't know if there was an injury or not in the last few weeks, we're never going to know. But the, the way that he was playing was significantly better um, and looked more focused. It looked more just accurate in, in, in many ways uh, than what we'd seen. Honestly, like I give him all the credit. I think it was awesome that, you know, in that game too, he, he surpassed the 10,000 yard mark for total yards. Uh, it's amazing that, you know, no other Syracuse player has ever done that. Justin McNabb goes to show, too, just how poorly a lot of the best players in Syracuse history have been used offensively. I mean, like, imagine McNabb, not to go off on a tangent, but, like, imagine McNabb in, like, this offense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just an uh, era, too. Oh, of course. Offenses are much more open. But it's also crazy considering Dungy has, I mean, has not played a full four years. Like, he's going to go down as a four-year quarterback, but he's he missed uh, about – you know, Almost not quite half of, of three seasons. He's missed at, uh, at least a full season, I think, overall. Just like uh, four nine games, or ten? Four games his freshman year, and he didn't start the first game. He came in in relief. He missed three his sophomore year. And then last year he missed uh, the three at the end. So, uh, yeah, ten. So almost a full season, plus, like, some halves here and there. Uh, I think if you added up all the quarters or all the drives that he missed due to, like, taking a big shot or something or getting benched for Tommy DeVito, yeah, he's probably missed about a full season of play. So it's pretty comparable to the time frame that played three years. So, And I, I don't remember if he took over as a starter right away, but it's pretty comparable. And the numbers he's put up in that in that span of time is really impressive. A hundred percent. I think, yeah, if you think about the fact that his his numbers from the first season were – despite the fact that the offense was a complete shit show? Like, Dungey... really good. I'm looking at the game lot from 2015. He had some some awesome games. The Wake Forest game was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely great. I don't know why he only threw 13 passes in that game. I don't remember well enough. I mean, one of them was that, like, 97-yard bomb or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I mean, he played the whole game because Hutton's already out. Well, it was because we were running we were running an option offense and, and running ben, oh, right. and ben Lewis jet sweeps. We ran 37 run plays. We <laughs> only ran, I mean, this, God, this offense was so dumb. We only ran 51 plays offensively. That's, that's... Wake Forest ran, 
77 for not a super fast offense. And we won somehow pretty comfortably. Well, we broke it. We, bad that year, but we broke it open with that with that long, long pass from him. And then I think after that, like it was just we had the like the the annual freak injury uh, to Wake Forest against us, which didn't happen didn't happen last year. I don't know if it happened the year before either, uh, which explains why we lost those two games. But yeah, typically like somebody gets hurt. And it's almost always a Wake Forest player for some reason. It's almost always, a, it's always a, an important Wake Forest player. Yeah. Um, it was uh, the wide receiver who was on the Ravens. Campanaro. Yeah. Um, that was, was that the... That was 2014. That 13-0 ugly? Yes. I was at that game. It was horrible. It was that game, and then they lost Wolford, I think, in one of the games. We or, set up the... I think they actually lost two quarterbacks in one of the games. No, we set up the 2006 uh, ACC title. Because we injured, uh, what's his name? Their quarterback, who was then replaced by um, Riley Skinner. Riley Skinner, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> we set up the Riley Skinner era. I think we hurt. God, I feel bad telling, like joking about this as people were hurt, but like, it is bizarre that even like going back to 20, uh, 2006 and um, even the, those non conference games we played with them before we joined the ACC, I think there were like a couple of injuries as well. So just a strange confluence. And I don't think any of the injuries were ever Eric Dungey. So, um, that's, uh, you know, I think you would assume if there was like a rash of injuries in a series like this, Dungey would have been one of them, but I'm pretty sure he's been clean, uh, through these Wake Forest teams. Yeah. I can't find the article, like, but whoever is listening to this, feel free to, to search around and you'll find, I think like two years ago, I wrote an article about like the weird history between these two teams and like, it's changed since SU's four game win streak was broken, but nonetheless, so some entertaining things, um, some of them injury related, some of them not. But uh, more on that after halftime. We're almost there, I promise. Dan, any, any last thoughts here? I mean, I felt like the defense played well in the latter half of the fourth quarter and most of the first quarter. Um, and then, like, all bets were off in the middle, though. Uh, at the same time, like, they're not, they're not bad. And, and, and I said this, like, kind of in our Slack. Like, I think Ward's good i wouldn't be like broken up if he like went elsewhere not because i want him to just because like i don't necessarily think that bringing somebody in is going to create a lesser result yeah i think our defense is what it is um i think the injuries have made it tough um i we've kind of slow played it but our, our defensive backfield right now is very uh piecemeal um and, and the guys who have come in have stepped up pretty well. Uh, Malafonwu and, and uh, who else do we have? Uh, Chill Williams playing more corner, but he was, he's been involved all year. But um, we've been kind of forced into playing a lot of very young guys uh, at expanded roles. So I think you have to take that into account. But they, I think they they have been – they've made big plays. They held Clemson to 27 points, which I think you'll take. Um, the pit game is a problem. They ran all over us. And the end of the Clemson game, us not being able to stop the run – was a big problem, but it seems like we've mostly shored that up the last two weeks. Um, well, Guthrie's a been, moment. like, I think that that's somebody who, like, has absolutely flipped things on a dime in terms of what he's done these past two weeks. Since we talked about the, the run game, and you saw Guthrie in particular was getting beat flat-footed in those, in those Pitt and UNC, and sorry, in Clemson games. But then these last two games, Guthrie's been everywhere. Guys had 20 tackles in the last two weeks. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, obviously, there was that the stretch, the two Antoine Cordy plays, and then the 
which also involved uh, a pair of uh, big quarterback pressures by Alton um, Robinson, uh, one of which led to the Andrew Armstrong interception, which sealed the game, or set up the touchdown to seal the game. Just like overall, like, we're going to give up some points and some yards. Uh, NC State's offense uh, was way, like their their still position guys. I thought were better than we thought they were heading in. Uh, Finley played his game and was awesome. Um, but we actually like we only sacked him once. But he's only been sacked now four times this year, including that one. We actually got after him pretty well. We hurried him six, six times. Six times. Yeah. We not we, we we did a nice job of uh, getting uh, getting our hands in some passes. Um, and then we made the big, the big play at the end. And, you know, we talk about it all the time with this defense. Like, you're going to – there's going to be a little bit of bend on break. But um, looking at the, the, the five-factor spots were from Bill C, the, that whole breakdown really nails it. We created two extra scoring opportunities and one by two scores. Like, that's uh, exactly what happened. So uh, everything else was pretty even across the board. Like, our yards per play were uh, both, like, in between seven and seven and a half. Like, the two teams played very evenly on offense. Uh, Syracuse just had a, a field position edge by about nine yards, uh, which we talked about going in because our, our special teams are great. And uh, and that, you know, even though we've now had some special teams mistakes the last couple of weeks, I assume we're still pretty high up in the S&P. Uh, we forced the big turnover, and uh, and we just created more opportunities for ourselves and took advantage. And, and when you have two teams that are very evenly matched on offense um, and are playing at, at similar uh similar levels like that's gonna be the difference yeah I, I think you know uh back in the pack had a great article last i think thursday or friday just talking about how like syracuse offense isn't necessarily the weapon you need to worry about it's the special teams and and i felt like you know i i don't have like the field position numbers in front of me but su starting field position was pretty good most of the day <laughs> like once again uh, it was at 30 yards i think it was a 30 yard one which is still pretty good I mean, Which is really teams. good. I mean, you'll take. You, I mean, it sits yards better than a fair catch every time. So, on kickoff, yeah, our average field position was thirty point nine. Theirs was twenty one point six. So that's a that's a that's a basically a, a first down. Right. Yeah, and and that's huge. Like, and that's something that we've that that's a battle we've won all year. Um, it's something we've talked about this before. It's something that can be a little random. So I wouldn't necessarily like have that be the only reason why you're winning football games if you're doing that though and having an offense that can put up 50 points a game you're, you're looking all right i guess before we get into the half i'll just say one thing uh, i don't know if you saw this that tweet about the fact that we scored 50 points more times in this season than we had in like the what was it like 15 prior seasons combined well uh yes it was uh four 50 point games this year and that was i think it was 14 prior seasons yeah and then there was also the fact that this was I think Seth Goldberg tweeted it out too that it was in it was like the first season we scored fifty points four times since like nineteen sixteen or something. Uh, I think it was even before that. I think it was like early nineteen hundred, like first decade of uh, the nineteen the nineteen aughts. Oh. Um, <laughs> I responded to the tweet. I can find it. Uh, but yeah, it was. It's it's not. And, and that year, apparently, we we shut out two teams sixty nine to nothing. Nice. And also Double beat nice. Manhattan, <laughs> Manhattan College 144 to nothing. That's the, yeah. That's definitely the the. I I always run into that one when I'm looking at like scoring records. Yeah, that, that is the that that is the mark for most points in Syracuse history. I don't, which is appropriate, um, even though it came before 44 was a thing. But I had never even. I don't think I'd even seen that one. Yeah. So 50 points four times this season. Um, through the media guide, he said he looked, and it's the first time they've done it since 1904. That year, SUB Clarkson and Allegheny 69 nothing each. Niagara 52 to four. 
Um, and Manhattan, 144 to nothing. Pretty uh, good. I, I I'm a fan. How long? How long there? How long after did the Jaspers fold their football program? That's my question. I would guess 1930s. <laughs> if I had to, here I'll. Dan, what have you been drinking? And then I will look that up while you're doing that. Um, I, I was going to look it up too. Uh, I actually had a pretty late beer week. I think the only thing I remember having, and I forgot to check in, um, so I did it just now, I had a couple of pumpkin head ales from Shipyard, which are, you know, I bring it up all the time now because we're in the fall. I have, you know, really enjoyed that one in terms of the pumpkin, but I pretty much stuck with, like, hard alcohol uh, otherwise this weekend um, the while in the Halloween spirit. So hopefully get more on the beer game this week. Uh, it just was like kind of one of those weird weeks where it wasn't it wasn't around all the time. Fair enough. Um, I know. Plus, we're doing it a little bit earlier this week. Well, not really, but earlier-ish. So Wikipedia says that their team was only around from 1924 to 1942. So um, is this a different Manhattan? That's so they could. Uh, Wikipedia could also like not have registered Manhattan College's team earlier. So still, still TBD. I'll. I'll find a definitive answer and put it in the comments of, of the uh, podcast when it goes up. Um, on my end, I didn't have a ton to drink either, but I did have a few things. Um, decided to, uh, to test the waters with bringing both uh, the dog and the baby to a brewery. Just to sit out on the porch and grab a drink and hope that daughter didn't make too much noise. She didn't make any noise. So that was ideal. Um, so I had a couple beers. I uh, went to Smock City, had a Pure Rubus. It's a, it's a Flanders Ale from them, and it was it was raspberry brown. So it was really... Uh, had like some chocolate notes. It was really interesting. It wasn't like amazing, but it was it was pretty good. Uh, and then just kind of kept it light after that with a Lager Real, their uh, Vienna Lager that they put out recently. And also I picked up a six-pack of uh, Stone's uh, kind of hazy imperial IPA, uh, Fear Movie Lions, and that one was pretty good. I would uh, highly recommend it. You can have a pretty good hazy double IPA and without waiting in line somewhere, and yeah, in much much better price point than a lot of the kind of hazy IPAs that you're going to be buying while waiting in line outside of a brewery. Nice. I'm looking at the 1904 Syracuse football Wikipedia. And apparently we played Allegheny at Yale Field in New Haven. Allegheny's at a Pennsylvania school. Um, so that's one of the weirdest neutral site games I can ever remember. That was probably like the plague or something. <laughs> the plague hit Central New York. We had to get the team out. Yeah, just move. <laughs> why on earth? And we played Yale two weeks before that. So, like, why? Rotating home fields. We take your home field until we lose. Uh, what a, Oh, the Browns fired Hugh Jackson. Shocking news. Yeah, that's that's not. Yeah. Both, hey, you were probably inspired by the Cavaliers uh, firing uh, Ty Lue. Yeah, that would have been a fun bet to make. Like, who got fired first? Like, I don't think anyone would have taken Ty Lue. Like, expect him to survive October. They should just trade coaches. Have Ty Lue coach the Browns. Ooh, Ooh I like this. <laughs> make it happen, Cleveland. You have nothing, literally nothing to lose. No. Both teams honestly probably have a lot to gain by losing. So, go for it. Um, all right. Back to getting on topic because I know we, uh, I know Dan and I both have things to do today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, Wake Forest is next, and like I mentioned, uh, they run the ball really well. And while yeah, there, there's no revenge factor here necessarily from Matt Colburn, 
Uh, I do think that Wake being one of the top 30 to 40 teams rushing the football in the country could pose a little bit of danger for us. Sam Hartman, the quarterback, who was once a Syracuse target, um, is he's not like amazing, but he's fairly accurate and efficient with the football. He seems to do a lot with a little. Uh, Greg Dorch is also really good. Um, I have nothing positive to say about their defense, similar to how most outside observers would have nothing positive to say about ours. Greg Dorch stares the hell out of me. He wasn't. <laughs> dude, he didn't even play last year against us, did he? I think he was out, but that dude is awesome. Yeah, he's like he. But the problem is, he's like the only guy who's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's like having the year that like our guys would have the last couple of years, where like the rest of the team um, isn't doing much. But he's really really good. But yeah, this is mostly mostly centered on the rushing attack. Um, they're pretty balanced overall. They they've they've passed for seventeen almost eight hundred yards, and they've rushed for a little over eighteen hundred. But they've uh, they've run the ball 408 times, so they will be very dedicated to the rush. And those top two guys, Colburn and Tate Tarney, both over five yards of carry. Uh, it's a it's a pretty dangerous rushing team overall, and hopefully not one that can just grind grind it out on us because that's where we've had trouble this year. Yeah, and it's funny too. I know I talked about this in like the opponent recap article that I put up to this morning. Like, um, it seems like Pitt. Whatever, whatever was wrong with them, whatever was wrong with Clemson, it seems like we helped both teams figure it out because now they're just like grinding teams in dust. Although Clemson didn't even need to run, they just decided to like, you know, just try out something new against Florida State and not really run the ball. Which that has to be fun to have that luxury. Yeah, Clemson's numbers this weekend, like actually, like their 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 like raw stats weren't even as impressive as the score would indicate. I, so I. I don't even know how that game was as lopsided as it was, but Clemson just turned Florida State into, like, JV a weird, team. like, yes, just, it's unbelievable how, how far that program has fallen in really, what, two years since they won the Orange Bowl? Yeah. Um, Record very time. Very strange. Um, looking up the two running backs for Wake Forest, they're pretty similar size. Carney's 5'11", 215, Colburn's 5'10", 200. So these are, they're not bowling balls necessarily, but they're definitely guys who are going to get those, like kind of grind out those yards. Um, that's probably why it's good that we have like three or four guys who can start a defensive tackle now, because um, we're probably going to need them. Um, I think we are definitely playing a 4-3 in this one. I wouldn't really expect to see much of the 4-2-5 um, in this game like we saw a bunch last week. I'm very worried about this rushing attack. <laughs> Um, especially because, like, I mean, the Deacons play at a higher, like, pace. I don't, I mean, it's not, like, to the level we are, but I know that, like, they don't really like to slow it down. Clawson's done a really nice job of installing, like, not a, not a spread necessarily, but, but a team that, like, can play. Oh, yeah, they're actually, they actually run more plays than we do. That's impressive. 687 on the year. I wonder if some of that's, like, us with the, the, early games kind of letting our foot off the gas a bit but the fact that they they, they basically have like an up-tempo power running game um does scare me because that's basically how that's how Pitt and Clemson beat us late in the game um but I think our rush defense has looked a lot better the last couple weeks especially this past weekend at NCC State uh hopefully I think McKinley Williams missed this past weekend right so hopefully yes. he's back um well, he I think he played a little bit oh I thought he was out completely he might have been I didn't like really pay too much attention there I just saw that the uh I saw that him and Josh Black got the oar for uh, for this week. Yeah, so that hopefully he is he is back and ready to go. Uh, that would be a nice addition. But um, when you have that kind of attack, like you definitely want to have all hands on deck up front. 
and and just being able to 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 force we want to force this game into the quarterback's hands like i think if we're able to do that and we we make them uh go to hartman a bit more i i think we're in good shape but um we just can't let them dictate the 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 whole pace of play on offense uh if we want to go down there and get a big win which overall i think i, I mean i feel pretty comfortable about this one but and i don't know if they're gonna stop us they've had some real trouble on defense against uh talented teams but uh offensively i do think if they're able to control the team on that side, it could, it could be an issue. Yeah, I'm looking now. Uh, they average the second most plays per game of anybody in the country. Wow. I would not have guessed that at all. Yeah, same. Uh, this, is down, this is much more terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are talking ourselves into, a, into, into panic here on a Monday morning. Yeah, I'm not like panicked. I just, I never bought the projections to begin with that like, that we were like significantly better. Um, it's really just going to be, it's going to be a similar to this past weekend. Really. It's just a turnover is probably going to dictate, you know, who, who scrapes by in like a 50 to 40 something blowout. Yeah. I, I think we, I mean, we've had a, we've done pretty well starting hot uh, this season. Um, I think that's, we, we need to get off, get on the board real early. Like if we start like this game, like we did in Cincy state, wait for us. We'll have much, we'll have a much harder time getting back in it. Um, so if we can kind of take the air, I mean, their stadium doesn't have much air to begin with, but if we can take the air to the stadium early, um, to what will probably be a pretty, pretty quiet noon crowd. Um, I think we'll, we'll be in good shape. We can't start slow though. And luckily that's been, that hasn't been a huge issue. We, we've been pretty good about getting out of the dates fast. It's, yeah. it's the second quarter, uh, that uh, has, or occasionally the third quarter that has posed the, the major issue. Um, this week actually the third quarter was, was really good. But, like, one of those middle quarters is always the issue where we kind of get lapsed and then we have to get ourselves back rejuvenated. But first quarter, jump out fast, force them to throw, make a couple plays if we could, you know, get... I mean, we, have we had an interception every game on defense? I feel like it's close. It's probably close. I can look. Yeah. Just, you know, stick to our, our fundamentals. I think I think our, our team is... Part of the reason we've been, you know, we're sitting two is that we do, like going back to Bill, Bill C's five factors, like we're really good at those five factors. We're, we're better at those than we are like the other things that people look at quickly on like winning football. Like our, our efficiency numbers aren't great. That's like the one, the one piece that I think is missing, but we Which is do why we don't else. do well in S and P because we are right. very inefficient, but our, we, we, we dominate field position. We turn teams over. We don't turn the ball over very much. We, we just do those uh, those little things very, very well at a very high level um, and have not shot ourselves in the foot too much. Yeah, and to confirm, we have intercepted the ball every game so far, had two in the first one, three in the second, and then one each in the rest of the games, giving us 11 interceptions on the season, which is one of the top 10 figures in the country. That's Our turnover right. margin has to be like way up there. We have, I mean, what, Dungey has, like, I think we have five interceptions between the two quarterbacks. Yeah, I think we have eight turnover. I think we've turned the ball over eight times. And we've we turned the ball over eight times. I think we've turned other teams over like 19 times. Yep. And then we, we pump the hell out of the ball. We're quite good on kickoff coverage. We have a field goal kicker who's missed two, two kicks all year, and they're both over 40 yards and is perfect in extra points. Like all the little things that you need to do in football games, this team has done very, very well. And that's why I think, you know, obviously we didn't have trouble against the Clemson like anyone else, and the pit game was dumb. And, and a lot of our games are very close, but like there, there's a reason why we have come out 
in a pretty good way, despite the fact that we were running like a, a pretty razor thin margin where we could easily be eight. No, we could also easily be four and four. Luckily when you make winning football plays, that's where you come out on top more often than not. And uh, hopefully that will be uh, that we'll, we'll ride that to eight or nine wins because that's very much in play now. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. I think that that's, you know, eight, maybe nine wins. I think nine wins more assuredly is where you get out of that, uh, that pinstripe military uh, box and you start looking that would have at, at like camping world right we could possibly go to orlando or uh camping worlds in or, play um depends on what happens in the coastal too like i mean i'm not gonna pretend that like we could reach i mean it would be the peach bowl this year right but like if for some reason like the coastal completely cratered and we won out somehow like yeah that's that, that then then access bowls in play or the belt bowl would be nice i think eight or nine wins i mean nine wins would probably put us in play for that um, assuming that the, all the Carolina schools will be a little too far below. Now, Duke could still, you know, win a bunch and, and get to, like, eight wins, and maybe they would take it. But, like, UNC is not going to make a bowl. NC State will probably be floating around there as well. Um, I think if we get to bowl. eight or nine, I feel like they might send us the Sun Bowl. Uh, I, wish, I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean... I mean, obviously, I'll be happy about with anything, but... It's a prestigious um, game, just in the... It's a prestigious game. It's always fun. It's just, like, El Paso is such a... We'd have to send some people. <laughs> We're, I mean, I really, I, I'd really like to go. If, if Sunball wants to pay for me to go, that's something we can discuss. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's not really going to happen otherwise. Um, one more thing about Wake before we move on to predictions and then some quick basketball notes. They let a really bad Louisville offense do whatever they wanted in this one. Yeah, I think Wake's defense is very suspect. Like, Jawan Pass had, was 30 for 54, which is not that efficient, but 358 yards um, and a touchdown. They ran for 174 yards despite being one of the worst rushing teams in the country. Uh, that is encouraging for us. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of what Wake is going to give us on defense here. So uh, I'm going to make my prediction. I think Syracuse wins this one. 48 to 41. Um, I'm actually going to go a, a little more optimistic than you this time. Um, I'm going to go, I'll do, since we store so much, I'm going to go Syracuse 44, Wake 31. I think we'll win comfortably. I think it'll be, we'll be nervous for like a, a, into the third quarter, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll start to distance ourselves once Wake has to pass the ball. I think that's a fair point. Um, so... As we didn't mention on air, we talk a little bit about basketball here. Uh, James and I, James, our basketball editor, and I are going to have our basketball season podcast later today. Uh, Dan's usually a participant in that, so did want to give him uh, some quick seconds to kind of talk through some basketball stuff, maybe offer a season prediction, um, because he's obviously been a big part of those uh, season preview extravaganzas for the last five seasons. So... Dan, your, uh, your, your, your two- to three-minute take on the Syracuse basketball season. Um, it'd be nice if we had a point guard that was healthy. Uh, I think that's a, a good start to hopefully the regular season. I, I don't know how long Frank's projected to be out. It sounds like we should have Jalen Carey uh, in the next exhibition. I think we were, like, Bayham said he was optimistic about that. But, like, overall, I think you have to be impressed with, I mean, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate that it's going to end up being, like, everyone's main takeaway from the first exhibition, but I, I think it's fair at this point. Buddy Bayheim looks really good. <laughs> Buddy Bayheim, I think, is in a play. And I was I kind of assumed that he would 
do the freshman thing, and it still might happen, but like the freshman thing where Bam plays him early and then he kind of drifts from the rotation. He's, he's not drifting from the rotation. No, he is such a true shooter. He's going to play this year. I don't think he'll be like, you know, I, I think he'll probably still be the second or third guy off the bench. But man, like if we need some threes, that dude, that dude has one of the Twitter releases I can remember in recent Syracuse history. Um, he looks really, really, really good shooting the ball. And uh, Elijah Hughes, I'm very excited for. He just seems like a just a rock solid guy who's gonna get you double digits every night. Um, I can see him. Obviously, you know, it takes a while for the zone to click, but he's been here for a year. Um, I think he will be a very good zone defender, probably about midway through the season. And it just seems like he's gonna be able to really take the pressure off Battle. Um, obviously, Battle didn't do much in the first game. I'm not worried about him at all. Um, I just think we're gonna be very well rounded this year, and this should be a very very fun team. Yeah, it, it is funny that, like, everybody, all, all the usual, like, you know, haters were talking, like, in preseason, saying, like... Of which there are many. Yeah, you know, of which there are many. Uh, talking about how Syracuse doesn't, like, still doesn't have an offense, and they're not sure, like, what everyone was talking about. Like, well, I mean, no, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't call it on Buddy Beheim, but, like, most Syracuse fans said, yeah, like, Elijah Hughes, even if he's not, you know, all-conference, he's probably going to average, like... 12 and 5 a game and like that's still something we didn't have last year so like it, it doesn't have to be like Hughes doesn't have to be this you know like force of nature he literally just has to be something we didn't have last year which is like a good wing off the bench and and, and I think that that's going to be a huge difference maker I think him and Buddy Beheim really showed up in, in this exhibition I'm not even looking at the stats necessarily as much as just having their them be able to step in and hit shots, especially when, you know, Battle and uh, O'Shea Brissett weren't necessarily doing so. Uh, they still managed to get theirs, but I, I think in general, like, it's it's a work in progress, but not a bad work in progress. It's one that already is going to operate at a bare minimum at what we did last year, and I think from there, like, only improve. So I, I'm, I'm pretty high on what we've got going this year. If the defense can play at the same level it did last year, we have something really special on our hands. I'd be very surprised if the offense wasn't a good step up from last season. I mean, we're going to go into the year, and we haven't seen Jalen Terry yet, but I think there's a – I mean, odds are our fourth best player is either Elijah Hughes or Frank Howard, and that's pretty scary because I think that there's a reasonable a reasonable universe in which either one of them is like a third-team all-ACC or this year. So when that's where you're starting from – and then you throw in Terry, who is going to be ended up probably being the most talented point guard on the roster, even if he doesn't start. Throw in, you know, Buddy shooting off the bench. This this team should be quite good. Uh, I'm I'm quite excited, and it's not even really based off the exhibition. It's it's the exhibition showed us a lot about players we didn't know a lot about, and we know plenty about Battle. And I mean, Brissett was awesome in the exhibition, but we know what he's going to be, and it looks like he'll be a walking double double again this year. Um, Terry's still like the one wild card just based on his injury. Um, but I think, I mean, the expectations for him are pretty high. But luckily, unlike a lot of the blue chip point guards we've brought in the last couple of years, he's not being asked to start right away. I do think he'll have a big role. Uh, Buddy, I think, is going to, I mean, he looks better than, than I, I thought for sure. Um, so there's just a lot to like. And uh, I think the offense will be a lot better. And I think we have just a lot of very dangerous options. I would agree, and that is something we did not have last year. Uh, I'm going to save my season prediction for the other podcast, but Dan, your season prediction, uh, wins and losses number, and uh, where does SU's season wrap up? Oh, I have to like, 
I haven't even gone through the, the, the whole schedule. So I'm going to hold off on a, on a wins and losses. Fair Maybe enough. I'll get that to you guys before. I'm sure there'll be a post going up soon. Uh, I think we will be in the top 15 or so almost all year. And I think we'll finish. I'll say we're going to get a double bye in the ACC. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll go uh, Elite Eight. I think we'll make the Elite Eight this year. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said, I'll get into my prediction on the other show. I think a lot of that is going to depend on matchups and things like that. I could easily see us finishing in the Sweet 16 this year with a better squad because a matchup just yeah, because a matchup just didn't work out, and I could see a lot of people getting pissed off about that. I honestly, I think this was like basically in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, if you get to a place where the Sweet 16 is a baseline expectation, and then you work from there, I think that's a totally fine place to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Well, cool. Um, this was shorter than most podcasts, but I think that's fine. I think we covered a lot of ground. Dan, anything else you want to add before we uh, depart? No, I mean, we were also a little more on, on topic, it's aside from the random drifts into Syracuse Wake Forest history, which was still vaguely on topic. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, very excited. I was, I was very happy pretty much all day yesterday once the polls came out, which, you know, shouldn't really be a thing that we care that much about. They don't mean anything in reality, but... It's just another thing you can sell about this program, and it's something tangible to grab onto about the progress versus just like, oh, we we're watching the games and we know this looks better. Um, now, like, there's an indication that a other people are paying attention. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a thing we we hammer. Recruits are probably going to be sick of us talking about the rankings in a couple days, because um, that's all they'll hear about from our staff. But it's just like it's nice to finally like get some recognition for a thing that's been building for a couple years now, and. Um, hopefully gratification for the the more fair weather segment of the fan base that you know needs to be given a lot of indication of things going well. So again, hopefully we beat Wake Forest this week. Um, hopefully it looks pretty good. We stay in the in the rankings, and then you know a ranked Syracuse team playing for the first time at the Dome since 2001 on a Friday night in a game they absolutely should win, uh, but the opponent's still like kind of a name. Uh, let's get some people after that game, please. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, think about all the, 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 the bad things that we, we can hold Louisville accountable for. Think about all the times Lamar Jackson embarrassed us. Uh, the, 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 the damn hurdle flip, which still gets played like every week, I feel like, even yeah. though he's been in the NFL now for half a season. Yeah, I, I think that, that would be nice to, to win that one. It would be nice to win it in front of a full house. Um, Maybe we can get Bobby Petrino fired. That's like on the table. I, I Let's we do that. We Louisville by like 40. Which is again could happen. Louisville's real bad. I would, I would, I'd be okay with that. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, let's let's make that happen, Syracuse. First, let's beat Wake Forest, though. Yes, one hundred percent. We're not. Uh, we're not, not Dave Doran. We're not getting <laughs> No, we're not. Uh, Dan, uh, thank you as always for joining. Uh, another fun episode. Yes, glad we were able to get this one up early because I'm sure everyone is still like in the post top twenty five glow, uh, and as they should be. Of course, of course. Uh, so everyone, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, or wherever else to listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, the moon, yeah. 
That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.